But here's yeah, why you're going to have some pain, okay? Yeah. Because you smart off all the time of how smart you were about. I filled my Bitcoin, Jimmy. Gonna fucking, I got a farm, right? Yeah, because I sold it at sixty. Happen. Hold on, hold on. Don't like per our per our listeners. Don't interrupt me. For <laughs> <Per> your listener, <laughs> someone defend me. Someone rewrite Listen, a review. Right, hold on. Here's what's going to happen, right? You had the asset. Yeah, yeah. You listened to some smarty pants, and you oh stole, yeah, some you real smarty you sold your asset and then you had a massive taxable event. Right. And now we're about to blow past no, no, complete, the complete, complete the whole thing. I sold the asset. I had a tax event. I bought <laughs> property. I doubled my money. Let's tell the full story, Peter. Okay. And that smarty pants was very right. Told me to sell at 64 and I sold. I'm at just saying you're going to miss the ride. Right. I, and you, know, and you get, and sometimes in life you only get correct. A, you only get a ticket or two and you blew your ticket and now oh, you're about to have to watch us ride to valhalla uh, oh to valhalla listen so we've the, always had one ticket but now we have two peter's right. now claiming that that's right. wait your microphone is not mic right dwight dwight, dwight. dwight. Be you a sound like Trey, you're, you're me now 21. you're the you're the you're the one who doesn't give a shit yeah I got That's not a good look on you. I got I gotta say, Craig, you making me hit record right there has me extra nervous because Why? I know one none of you guys were able to prepare content for today's podcast. And so now I'm stuck up against that. You made me hit record and I could have prepped and gotten gotten some things out. And no, now no, we got a lot to talk about. Now guys. we're just rolling. No, we have a lot to talk okay. about, people. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is what just came up on our um, AMA call. And it was so brilliant that you guys said that I said this, and I hope I can remember it. Wait, um, wait it was, did I just hear you say that right? It yeah. was so brilliant that you guys said that I said this. Yeah, it was so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dwight, your microphone still sucks, by the way. Yeah. I can't stop laughing. Let me let me get my thoughts together. <laughs> I had a moment of clarity, a rare moment of clarity, sponsored by Starbucks. It was great. It was great, and I I want I forgot it actually, guys. <laughs> Are you so, Peter. Help me remember what it was, if you don't He's mind. He's gotten old. He's gotten old on us. Oh, my God. Really? Tell me what it was, Peter. I have no idea. No, but it was good. Dwight, speak in your, your Legoland microphone. In this, in this, does this make sense? Or no? this is... <laughs> Terrible, bro. <laughs> you I, got a Fisher-Price so right microphone. I feel so good. I have so yeah. many options. Is that better? No? No, it's terrible. So, right. Dwight, before just don't talk. Just remember, help me remember what we just said. It was good. It was a rare moment of clarity about scaling a business. Oh, okay. I remember now. Thank you. Jesus. So it was, you've got two ways, you know, we, we, we referenced you, Trey, because you've built a model on basic dentistry. And you know yourself. You knew you wanted to just grow a larger replicable, you know, major DSO with lots of different offices and you built it on basic dentistry, bread and butter, simple dentistry. And I said that there's the more complex your dentistry is, mm -hmm. the more difficult it will be to scale. Check, so check. for many of us that are single providers, the more complex your dentistry is, the higher your revenue. But I went so far to say that the more simplified your dentistry is, the more scalable and ultimately larger your organization you can grow. And that was my moment of clarity. And let that sink in because I think it's deep. And Dwight, let's hear your voice now. 
Can you hear me better? Oh, the silky smooth, oh, brother. Gosh, the, the baritone. Sent shivers down his spine. It <laughs> sure did. Yeah. I'm going to forever laugh every time that you keep saying that Trey's model is only bread and butter dentistry, but that's okay. Uh, we'll deal with that a different day. But I do think that it was well said. In the well, let's that- let's unpack that. Don't you think, Trey, when's the last diagnostic wax up you all did in your model? All the time, bro. Uh, actually, we just delivered two full mouth cases yesterday. <laughs> no, I understand you delivered uh, two sets of 28 crowns on 28 different people. But I just, were they all in the same? <laughs> we did that too. We did that too. A tray FMR is 28 crowns, single crowns on 28 patients. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. We're not getting into all that. But I do think that your point depicts what most DSOs do, which is they have a lot of clarity to their model and they don't expand themselves into so many different specialties to where it's harder to scale because you need more individual rock stars to scale that business. And that makes it harder. So I think all of us do some category that's a lot more complex than what most individuals do that have. DSO I mean, look, Craig, the, the ideal model is, is, in my opinion, a hybrid of all the things you're, you're probably getting to, right? It's, it's a robust hygiene, robust restorative, but then it's the hub and spoke model, right? Where you can right. have a centralized aspect that's doing the, the, the 28, you know, the seats of 28 veneers, the all on X, the all on four, well, let's call all on X, right? The, the advanced uh, dentistry that you're saying is hard to scale. And then obviously the referral network in, and, uh, and sometimes, you know, that hub and spoke can be pretty, pretty large, right? Maybe, maybe it can be 60 miles where you're looking at kind of metaphorically looking at a wheel and you've got a range of, you know, your, your out, outlying practices, more rural reaching, maybe possibly that are in, that are, that are referring inward. I think that is probably the smartest, um, I agree model, but the, but the hub, the uh, hub is, 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 the, is the complex correct. one. Correct. And the spokes are replicable. And each time you scale the spokes and you add more support uh, or more supply sources, it's it's easier to step and repeat. Yeah. And the one commonality about the three of us, at least, I'm uh-huh. going to leave you out, Trey, because I don't know any better about this, but Peter, <laughs> Dwight, and I all became like highly trained, complex dentists. And we built a car that was going so fast that for us to transition to an entrepreneurial role, we had to jump out of a, a very fast car, meaning we were producing, collecting 1.5, 2 million plus. And most guys that go out and start DSOs don't get to that point. You know, like I always say, they master the quadrant dentistry and say, like, yeah, kind of dentistry is pretty easy. Let me open up two or three more of these. Mm-hmm. Oh, I took a diving roll out of a moped. Yeah, exactly. You were, you were, what was your top collection year of any? The best year you ever had, your top collecting year. It's not year. fair. He was working out of 15 chairs at once because he loves the machine. No, I know, but what was it? <laughs> what was it? Was it was probably There's right no out shame. Of a million. I, never, I didn't break a million at any given time. Yeah. I don't think I did. And you did that for what? A, a handful of years. I'm not calling any shame. I just want to put No, 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 no yeah. I, do, you, I mean, you're not going to hurt my feelings. No, I, I know. Did, but I did exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah, and I'm hoping I always ratcheted my, prop, my, my production down. To where my biggest month was probably a hundred, ever, and right, and that's important I would, for the listener to hear that because we're not really saying that there's one way, and that's yeah, what sure. I mean, I think that one of the things that Craig, you do touch on this a lot in regards to me. I was very clear on what I wanted to do, and it maybe it may took it may have taken me a little bit to get there, but I knew early this is the game I'm going to play. Uh-huh. 
So I had to be very careful to not do all those things, to not ratchet up my production. It was very easy for me to step out of the chair. Frankly, it was. Do I you think Trey is because you had the, the, because you grew up in dentistry and you had the foresight of having the additional context of saying, yeah, I don't want, want the exact same path as maybe my father took. I want to kind of go to this a little different, or you think it was innate in you that it was just a different path? Uh, it was a little bit of both. I think it was less of me growing up and seeing it. I did see a burnout in him of running a big machine mm -hmm. um, and making still a monument. So everything was him. I grew up going a hundred miles an hour. I didn't know any different. So I go into a smaller practice and bored out of my mind. I would never want to do that. And, mm -hmm. but I also, I also started to see the writing on the wall of what's next. You know, wh wh if you're looking five years ahead in the industry, what's coming down the pipe of, and I'll use my dad as an example. He saw DMO as something that needed to be jumped on. So he jumped on before everybody and it's stones are thrown. Then everyone got on it. And then he saw that being phased out and PPO coming in. He jumped on well before everyone else phased that out. And on and on and on. And I remember having a conversation with him that that is very much stuck with me. And he said, I don't see what's coming down the pipe anymore. Hmm. And my answer to him at that point, which was a big kind of aha moment to me, was I do. It's multiple locations. And he just never did it because he never felt he could control quality. Interesting. So I thought, okay, well, PPO is here to stay. There's not the next big PPO happening, uh, at least not right now. And you start looking down that saying, okay. And it, uh, discount dental plans were all the rage for a while. They were yeah, on, on, I remember on that. the right skyrocket. And then they just ended that, that ship sailed there. Although there are still are some, we still have one, but it's not what it was. It was all the, you know, it was what you were thinking was going to be the big hit. So Trey, I'm going to go off this topic. Cause I think it's, it's a Craig and I, uh, we had a conversation last night that's somewhat involved in dentistry and I'm going to loop it into kind of a bigger macro and I'm going to ask all you guys kind of what you're doing. So I, um, uh, I forget what I said. Oh, we were talking about Craig's club for, uh, his karate you know, club. No, yeah. His karate club <laughs> for a mastermind. We're having a mastermind event at his beach club. And we're talking about that. And so he, he was again asking me about Bitcoin and then we were having a bigger kind. He's like, what are you going to, you know, if we go into world war three, kind of, what are you going to, what are you going to do? All this, you know, what do you, how's your how's your how's your stupid little you know digital coin doing kind of thing and so i'm actually and craig i had another call today from from a very wide one of my buddies who's a big developer you know 100 million dollar plus developer and he's kind of have it and he was i was like what are you doing he's like i'm listening to a you know i'm listening to a talk from morgan stanley about you know the two wars kind of we're in and that you know kind of like like walking our way into potential World War III. Yeah. And so it's on a lot of people. So I, what I'm not trying to do is warmonger and play doom and gloom, but it is important, you know, when when you see things coming, like you, like your, Trey, you were saying, you know, your dad was saying, I don't see anything coming down the pike anymore. And I know that was related to dentistry, but like so much of problems, I think can be avoided by picking your head up out of the sand and taking action of, of when you see a train coming at you, all right, I'm going to get out of the way, you know, I'm, I'm you know, all these things. I'm not doing a good example, but sometimes like ignorance is not so much bliss, right? Because, you know, people are head down and they're just in their own shit and they're not talking about like big macroeconomic climates or what happens if, you know, potentially, you know, the currency fails or what happens if we get into World War Three or what happens if, you know, if Aspen opens up across the street from me, 
and you're not never not playing these can these these scenarios. So are you guys hearing? I guess let me go back to the 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 overarching theme. Are you guys hearing a lot of like discussions? I know it was on the All In podcast. You know that's been like almost like for the past three weeks. I'm talking about that exclusively. Are you guys hearing about it in your social circles? Concern. I hear concern, but it's peripheral concern. Okay. Okay. And this may not be anything we spend amount, any amount of time on, um, but you know, but for Craig to say, he said to me, he's like, dude, you 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 are way out there on all the things. Like you're kind of no, you're like my yeah. That's how I said it. I said it's interesting for me. Like Peter's always an early adopter of everything. He sees things way ahead, and this is like this existential. I have thing a blind spot here, and yeah, so I'm I hope I'm being alarmist, but yeah. The, the, I have a, and I'm wondering, am I, do I have a blind spot or am I, uh, is, is it just time for Craig to have the tinfoil hat on? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't mean, know. Listen, I, there was a talk on X yesterday that prompted this. It was Elon and David Sachs and Vivek Ramaswamy and a bunch of others. And they were just talking about how close we really are. Elon used the word we're sleepwalking our way into World War III, like we don't have diplomatic relationships with Russia. Russia and China started doing joint military exercises together. That's crazy. Like they weren't even talking like a decade ago. Now they're doing, conducting joint military operations. Mm. And we've just, I think we've over, uh, our, our policy is we're, we're filled with overwhelming pride and we're not aware of these forces. And they, they were saying on the, on the X live feed, that um, you know, we the the U.S. government is referring to them as the axis of evil, and like we're labeled these people. Like, if anything, we don't want to like combine them all as one super force because we're, you know. And it was you know, listen to Joe Rogan, and Joe Rogan is is someone who's not necessarily a fear monger, but he was saying how like he's having nightmares about this existential thing to us, and it's it's very real. I don't know what we can do about it, and I think when I look at Google Trends, the number one trend is still Taylor Swift. So Americans are just like, hey, as long as Taylor Swift is coming in concert, everything's cool. And I, I don't know where I'm going with it. I just think it's an interesting time that we have such a disconnect between those that are entertained and informed. And it's just an it's it's dystopian to look at it like that. Wah, 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 wah. No, no, I think I, this is good. I think that's I think it's important. I you know to be honest with you, the the world was ending with the you know <clears throat> chinese taiwan issue and then the world was ending with ukraine with russia and ukraine and now you know the forever war that is labeled the forever war for a reason mm -hmm. took a pretty nasty dive but we're all in it and i get it there's american hostages and it's all in the forefront and i get all these things but you know it's also like americans freaking out about inflation when many many other countries live their lives in 14x inflation compared to americans i you know i think that the fear is much higher than it actually needs to be because a lot of people live in these war-torn countries on the daily and yes do i think that it's an aggressive state of mind but yes i mean david Sachs on that section of x today was acting that way but even when he was at the conference in california are surrounded by all these entrepreneurs from all over the world trying to make massive positive change. He was in a positive state of mind. Right. It doesn't mean he was running from war, but it's also depending on who is surrounding you in that conversation on X or who's in that conversation on your social media platform or who you surround yourself by. And to be blunt and honest, like 
for us in dentistry or for us in an industry that's highly consolidating, we could also sit here and talk about the attack of consolidation and how it's constantly consuming us when the rest of the world's already been consolidated in dentistry. Right. That's a good point, Dwight. And, you know, I, I, I listened to us sitting here and I, and I don't want to become like you hear the banter, like when, when you hear like the all in talking or Vivek talking and it's like, stay in your lane, you're not the expert. And like, that's, that's not lost on me that we are just four dentists talking about worldly stuff. And we are not trying to be experts in world affairs or whatever. I'm, I, and I love how you just draw that back to dentistry. I'm just trying to look at it in the context of, yeah, we're just all, you know, we're just all trying to make our way. Right. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes having the optics of, oh, this could impact me now, how, or, you know, this, this consolidation can impact me how, or this world war three, or, you know, the currency in being inflated that, you know, I think it's just, it's just not, it's not a, it's not a fear monger as much as it is a contingency monger. Like, what am I going to do if X happens? Yes. And so I yeah. want to know, this is bringing me into the, the topic of the pod. What are you guys focused on in your practices right now? Right. I don't know if revenues are up or down. I don't know where you are. Um, but I want to know, like, what are you kind of like, what's keeping you up at night in practice, in your, in your groups of practice or your practice? Well, first of all, that's a, that's a larger question. That's a good question. Peter. Oh, can, we bring, can we chunk it? Can we just say who is, well, you know, you got Dwight and Trey and even you that have expanded. So in the face of expansion, there's built in, um, physical expansion, there's built in increase in profit. So is Dwight and Trey, are you guys? with new stores out of the ground, are you guys experiencing year to date over last year, year to date? Are you guys experiencing top line growth? Both yes, of you? Of course. Yeah. yeah. We're in Proportionate with, num with the number of chairs you've added, that would probably be a way to look at it. Yeah. There's no slowdown with the, uh, yet with the American consumer, if that's what you're getting at. And I think I need to be very blunt about that. If you go out and you seek out, the opportunity to sell or provide a service today, the the profits are still coming in, the availability is still coming in. Now, if Peter's asking, what am I doing to prepare myself for what I believe is gonna be a very hyperbole evaluation of how the world's gonna react to all these things and bad things can happen, there's no doubt about it. And we're one of the, the most dangerous times in uh, recent history with wars, I get it. But there's I'm keeping more cash on hand for you know, the way we were, whether you were prepared or not for COVID, I'm keeping more cash on hand and prepared for some of those while at the same time I'm expanding or I'm waiting for if we do hit another recession or another slowdown or everything gets real dramatic because of the election next year, there's going to be a lot of stuff for sale and I need to be ready for that expansion. If that's what you're asking me, that's how I would answer it. So I also you, think it's myopic to say, though, that there's no slowdown for the American consumer because I I know many dentists who are have are facing contracting top line. <clears throat> you know, yeah, we're hearing that a lot in the industry. So maybe you guys are outliers, but we're hearing a lot of you know, there's there's a little bit not not massive, not 2009 level uh, contraction, but we're definitely hearing that that new patient numbers are down, right? Average average production per patient visit is a little bit down, um, and so you know. So for me, um, so for me, I can't get. I'm hearing an echo on one of y'all, but the well, where I'm going is like um, I'm just going to share this this kind of this this pyramid that with you guys, but maybe it's not the right place or time to do that. Um, but 
but I asked the question, what are you guys focused on? Right. Because when I'm, when you're not experiencing, you're, you're either experiencing growth or contraction, but you got to pick one. I always say, right. There's not this homeostasis equilibrium level, right. You're either growing or contracting. And so when, when some of the things you've been doing in the past, maybe are not yielding the same effect, it's time to kind of reevaluate and go audit and, and, and reverse engineer why that KPI reel did this. So I, I'm going to share with you guys something that I feel is, is very, um, that I'm kind of hyper-focused on right now in my own ecosystem. Okay. And that is this baseline thing right here, the patient experience. So this is a marketing pyramid that I designed. And I think I got some input from you guys uh, on certain aspects. And I'd love, and I posted this, I believe on Twitter and, and just wanted to get some feedback because I feel like it's not just for dentistry. I feel like it's kind of universal. Um, and I feel like it's a reversion back to, back to the ground game is where I'm going. Um, and I could be going down a path that you guys are like, ah, eh, we don't need to talk about this, but this is what I'm, this is what's keeping me up at night and kind of obsessed about is, is making sure that these things are still in place. Like the patient experience should be the foundational level, right? Your internal marketing foundational level. People always revert to saying, Hey, like, let's throw some gas on the fire. We need new patients. And what do they say? And they, I'm sure you guys hear the same thing. They're up here, Right. It's up at the paid ad. Hey, let's throw some more money at marketing. And I contend that that's the top of the pyramid that that's, can only be done when the rest of the pyramid is built. And yes, then you can throw some fire on it. But unless these, these things below it are fully insulated, then it, do you got, it's, I feel like it's kind of a waste of money. Agreed? I fully agree with that. Well, I would agree with I that. Totally I, don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's complete. I think this is a really well done. I don't think it's complete. But the what question I, I would have looking at this too is is how do you audit for this? Like where do you start? Easy, easy. You you create, you know, so I to me, Trey, my mind reverts to kind of a checklist manifesto, right? So how do you audit it? I look at every location. I have a I have an, a patient experience um checklist that that is gone through and looked at and made sure the team is fully trained on that, right? And the patient experience, as we know, starts everywhere from online. So that's why we do videos. But it's all the way down to the post-op call, all the way down to the explanation, all the way down to the videos of like showing people where to park kind of thing if there's confusion. Um, and then, you know, and then inside the office, it's obviously paying attention to the five senses, right? Making sure that people aren't hearing creepy things and, and smelling disgusting things in your office and seeing dust balls in the corner, all that. Right. And then even the verbiage of how things are communicated when you're in the office, because verbiage is designed to make people feel better and not be scared. And dentistry is a scary place. So how do I audit that trait? It's the whole, it's the whole thing. But sometimes, sometimes you can't just expect to design something. I guess this is my point. You can't expect, I'm, I'm a systems guy, but I can't expect to design something and expect it's on autopilot in perpetuity without revisiting it on the ground level sometimes. And, so, and, then, and then when you go back and revisit, sometimes like one thing opens up two things and you're like, oh shoot, these two things really need fixing. And I thought it was just that one. So. Well, now I would jump in to say too, to add to that. So, I mean, the answer to that question is checklists. It was one and you're, you're looking at everything and when I look at this, which I think this is exceptionally well done. Thank you. And I think you start at the bottom left mm -hmm. and you start weaving your way up. But I think patient experience is number one. You start there yep. and checklists are how you go and, and reevaluate that situation. And you reevaluate the checklist too, as you go and you're, you know, talking to each other, masterminds, all of your, all of your resources you have of your peers that allow you to, to 
uh, vet your systems and see where you can increase them or improve them rather. But you start going down from the bottom and work your way up to the top. I think this becomes a phenomenal way to address the issue of do you have a decrease in, in spending in year? Which I might add to touch on from that standpoint, you know, I, I think your a decrease in consumer spending or lack thereof does not always translate into why your dental revenue is down. <clears throat> a lot of it is this in and of itself. But so I think this is great. Well, and you know, and, and I like that you said that, um, you know, kind of as it relates to revenue, because there's really only three ways to kind of increase business, right? You can break down any business and it can be broken down into three components. And we're talking dentistry. So how do you how do you make business better? Right. So you increase the number of people coming to your business or your practice. Right. That's number one. You increase the amount that is spent per visit and then you increase. And then the third would be that you increase the frequency of said visit. Right. That's really all that that's really all it is. That's really all it can be. And so, um, you know, not to overcomplicate it, but like then it relates to, okay, now how does all the, how does all what I just said kind of play into that? And it's, and it's probably, it's probably to attract kind of more newer patients, so to speak. Right. Reason number one, Um, you know, I'm struggling a little bit as I was thinking about today's podcast, I'm struggling a little bit about the fact that this is a dental podcast and sometimes we don't go over granular topics. We stay very topical, um, which is good. And sometimes we go deep, right? Um, But there's just so much to talk about. I'm wondering, you know, should we get hyper-specific with the things we do in our practice to serve the best value for the end listener? Or do we just stay kind of like overarching 30,000 foot view? And so uh, I'm also struggling kind of with, with value to the pod listenership at the yeah, same well, time. We're stabbing in the dark. What you're really asking for is comments. Like, uh, look, if you go on YouTube and <clears throat> cause YouTube's the best place to leave a comment and be like what you want more of. Like we, we don't have a query into this, but listen, the, the, this, this, what you're looking at right now. And granted, if you're listening, it's a good chance to go to YouTube because it's a beautiful infographic you put up. And what happens is like any hierarchy of needs, you know, you built it as a pyramid. So it's reminiscent to me of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You work on higher order problems as you get more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And what this is for Peter and I with slight, you know, flattening of our top lines, this is a reckoning point. This is like, okay, mm-hmm. what are we doing? Let's get back to the patient experience. As Is it as good as it should be? And let's face it. As we grow and as time goes on, there's always, you know, you move away from the mission. And for Peter's and my practice, like yours, it's the paramount is the well, patient experience. Craig, what would you say would be an ideal amount of if you could craft your practice? Well, that's this is that's a stupid question. The percentage of internal referrals that you guys think is realistic and sustainable, what would be a goal? As, as if you have a hundred new patients, what would Dwight, I want to hear your answer. What do you think would be now be realistic, please. But what do you think would be, be, be once an internal quote unquote free referral? What would that be? hundred pay the practice what is the cost or what is the percentage? Nope. 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 Percentage. There's a hundred new, there's a hundred new patients coming to the, the hypothetical practice. If we were all going to get our magic wand out and say, how many of them should come from as a goal, from internal referrals, right? meaning meaning patient referring each other or or sixty percent, sixty. Okay, so sixty of those hundred would come from sixty percent. 
100. 60%. Okay, 60 of 100. Go. I would say 60% that because, you know, it's staring, staring at this pyramid for me, all I see is like, this is where we all started at the top because it's kind of like, I know it's easy to pay for stuff, but you kind of the base of the pyramid is the hard stuff. But this mm. is this is the stuff that if you're good at, the rest of it's just so much easier. And it's more fruitful when the patient experience and the internal marketing and all those things double down on what they've seen on paid ads, SEO, social media, website, all that good stuff. But if you're not doing that, it doesn't do much. But I would say that 60% should come okay. from that. It all right, fair enough. I'll take your answer. I'll take there. it. So take I, will, I will jump in on that and tell you that is the most documented and uh, both on longevity and detail KPI I have. I have that number over, uh, uh, over a decade on my practices. Okay. And it is repeatable over and over again. And that is something just to say, Dwight and I have never spoken about that number. And I would tell you that it is one, it is inversely proportional to the size of your sign. And the high-end practices that have virtually no sign, I'm getting at the max 75% internal referral and at the low end where you have an enormous sign, I, it drops it to 50 because you have so much of the drive-in traffic that you know they see that. You're not putting attribution of the sign as an internal marketing, right? You're saying that's an external. No, I'm saying that the bigger your sign, the more you have other reasons coming in, which dilutes your percentage. So okay. when I have a big sign, it increases drive-by type coming in, which I means see. your internal referral Are will be lower. In but it brings it into about a 50% marketing. Whereas if you have a small sign or no sign, that's where we have the higher level or it's a 75% and it might be of a smaller number, but it's a 75% internal number, uh, internal marketing number. Okay. So you guys so are saying 50, 60, you guys are I would agree with that hundred percent. All right. I think that's, I think that's okay. Well, I right. think uh, as a, as a holistic metric, your internal marketing should be your single largest source of referrals. I think right. we can safely say that. I mean, so that means by virtue, it has to be greater than 51%. Um, but I don't see a reason why it couldn't be 80%. I mean, why not strive for? Well, there are, of course, practices, times, guys, guys. You guys are going down the, the like, the the every tower kind of thing. Like, look, this is, I'm of course, there are practices that are 100%, but they not, might not be thriving. I'm saying right. in full growth mode, right? There are practices they don't advertise. Like, of course, like they're all predicate. They're a hundred percent, but like, are they great practices that you'd want to emulate? Understood. No. So it's like your case acceptance rate, you wouldn't want it to be a hundred percent because you've probably been throwing up occlusal composites, right? Right. Like, I got an, I got them yeah. to accept. Well, no shit you did. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I the conversation is important because I think, you know, people who don't know these things, these numbers, and I want to, I want to say like, what's a good North star? What would you guys be proud of if your brother or sister had a practice and they told you this, maybe not for yours because you're a unicorn, but what do you think is like acceptable as a goal for those people striving where you say you've checked the box on an, on the internal. Oh, it's the same number. 60%. No, yes, okay. For sure. Well, for, for, that's so what what I what I think Pete's going after. Just to Pete, just to help out here, I think what you're going after is, it, you know, for patient referrals. If I'm opening a brand new practice and the patient referrals are coming from word of mouth, meaning this patient has not been a long-standing patient of my practice, and it's a brand new office, it's not like what I'm normally getting. 
I can see a 30% being a really awesome number to rock and say, Hey, my patients love me enough to not only keep coming back, but they're referring somebody to me. And then you're building this longevity on a practice that's been around for the first three years or something to that degree. I think that's an easy goal, right? For an established practice where you've been around and you're embedded in the community and your name's already a brand and your brand is already a brand. Like I think, to expect those higher expectations, like what we dropped from the beginning, but I can understand in DeNovo or startup, a 30% is a really, really healthy thing of saying patients not only give me a good Google review, but they refer me somebody. So on a new practice is what, what you're, you're saying. Going for. Yeah. Because, because yeah. obviously your pond, your pond of referrals is much more, is, is sure. much smaller because you haven't built that yet. So, right. Okay. So let me ask you guys who 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 guys have been flexing seventy percent. Pete's not happy with our answers. No, no well, I mean not. you brought yeah, up the very, like the answers. So well, no, work it into it. Dwight, you yeah. brought up a very important point. We're all ask, we're all answering from our very unique purviews. So it's very you know I'm answering from. And, and let me tell you something. By the way, sometimes being rural, you win by default. Like you you, you right? You, someone told this because you win by default. And Trey, that's no shade. Or Dwight, that's no shade. In your rural practice, I've got them too. And like and I love that aspect that you win by default, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, right, because there's not because there's not a plethora of choices. You win. <laughs> and okay, great. But but yeah, when I you're think, in, I think it's fair to say. There's different context, uh, right? So if you're, you know, Houston Metro probably has a different ground game that you'd have to have than, than rural, I don't know, practice way out in the sticks kind of thing. Um, so let me go back to this because, because since you guys have a high number, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Do you mandate from your providers that they, at the end of an appointment, they ask for a referral from? Or, or encourage someone is kind of parting remarks. Trey, I do not mandate it. You do not mandate it. Dwight, do you mandate it? No. So, so you, you, no. okay. Are, so you guys feel like you're creating such an exceptional, remarkable experience that 70% of your new patients can be predicated from, from, from your, your population of existing patients. Yes. Meaning you're not even, you're not even asking for it. You're just saying, Hey, we just get it because we're that we're, we're good. Right. That is we're exactly good. what I believe. Okay. Okay. So it, has it ever been part of your practice trade to actually ask for hate? Never. Okay. Interesting. Craig, what about you? We never ask now. No. Okay. I mean, and Dwight, we do, Dwight, do training. Do you, do you ask? Well, let me, we, we train the, I mean, we've talked about it in morning huddles. We've talked about it in morning huddles and things like that, that, you know, we want to know because clearly the base of the pyramid is the crux by which it's the cheapest opportunity for us to, you know, access our patients and to get more patients to come in. Let me, okay. Let me ask, let me ask another way. They refer other people. Time out, time out, time out. Do you think it is beneath, let me just get to the nuts of it. Do you think it is beneath a doctor to, to ask, say, hey, really enjoyed your visit today, get to meeting you. I'd really love to have some more people like you. Do you have any friends and family that you think would enjoy this experience? Do you think that is beneath what a doctor should do? Okay. You should absolutely do it. 
Okay. It should. So why is it not? Because it's not part of, I understand why it's not part of you and Dwight, because you guys have the, the desired primary outcome of what you, you're, sorry, you, you already achieved what you want. So therefore you don't have to incorporate that. My thing is, I feel like this could be incorporated more in dentistry, but so many doctors that I talk to, so many dentists that I talk to will refuse to do that because it looks like you aren't in demand. We always want to feel like we are in demand. Like I'm almost not accepting new patients. I'm such in demand, right? But like, <clears throat> I just feel like that should be part of the 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 culture. And and I want I, it to I be more part Peter. of mine. And, and here, that's why I'm kind of opening this. Right. Up. But but let's just, there's only so many things you can mandate. You you chose a word that also like mandate. Okay. You, mandate you right. is a little, so a little draconian. Is, I so it is draconian. And it's like, you know, what is the training? The training is like, hey, Dr. Jones, you're amazing. I absolutely loved you. You were amazing. Do me a favor. Don't tell me. Tell the community. Tell your friends and family. Write a Google review. I love hearing it, but it means so much more to me if you broadcast that message to somebody else. That's just training. But to mandate, to say at the end of the appointment, blah, blah, blah. It, one thing that I think backfires in, on businesses, small businesses, is the fact that by default, they ask for a review. I've had shitty customer service over the phone. And there's the nerve of them like, hey, do me a favor. If I answered all your concerns correctly, would you mind taking a brief survey? I'm like, you don't want me to do that. Like it's like it's detached from the result. So I think when you get a compliment, the immediate response should be, don't tell me, tell your friends or tell Google or whatever else that means more. But if I'm gonna mandate something, yeah, I okay. think mandating the post-operative call, if I had to mandate something, would probably be the thing that would be the greatest response. Does anyone mandate that? I do. If we're gonna use that word. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. well, mandate is Trey, hard. do you require that from your providers? Yes. White, do you? Yes. Yes. Do you guys want to take a guess at how many practices across the nation utilize that mandate that you guys think? Less than 2%. 2%? Two percent? Two percent? Two. I'm gonna go. I don't think how do you know? I'm gonna go uh if this is price is right, three, three dollars. What's behind door number ah, four, Banna? Ah. So we're all there's consensus that it's at least under 10. Oh, right? Sure, oh, yeah. Not far off. 10% off, right? So let's let's just say only 10 practices, 10% of the practices across the nation do that that we're gonna keep using that word mandate, Craig, because I feel like it's it's um whatever. <clears throat> so is that an opportunity arbitrage? Absolutely. That is why I I would jump in and say when we talk about is it consumer spending down versus what you do. That's a perfect example. If 10% of people are not checking on their patients, huge, low-hanging fruit, enormous. No, 90% of people are not are checking not, on their yeah, patients. We know 10% are not. Okay. Are you guys relying, and I've asked you this before, but I'm kind of breaking down this chart. So we're. I think, I think we're good there. I want to ask about reviews. Are you guys reliant completely on software, Craig? Meaning you're not, that's not part of the verbiage in the, in the ending of the appointment. Are you reliant totally on software? I, I can't speak to that. I okay. think certain people Trey, are, Trey, are, are you methodology for it. We're not totally reliant on software, but we are not as good as we should be. Okay. But I have, what, what would you say? Trey, ask. What would you say, Trey, at scale? How many locations are you at now? Eight. 
eight. What would you say is your cadence for if you have if you have eight practices? How many reviews will you get on said month? In uh, in those all eight. It depends on the patient base, but let's call it anywhere from. No, 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 no. At aggregate. Aggregate. Yeah, have those eight practices. How many do we do we have total? Yeah. yeah. Probably just under three thousand. No, 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 no. In a month, those eight practices combined get how many reviews? Uh, okay, so take take an average of fifteen times eight. So, so fifteen. You see, you feel like each one gets let's, let's call it hundred. Okay, so roughly you get fifth. Uh, uh, each practice gets a review every other day, essentially, right? Each one of those practices is fifteen. Okay. And you're doing that because you're not really relying on technology and you're probably not asking for that at the end of the appointment either, right? So it's just people doing it on. on no, we, on so we have the technology in place. We're not totally relying on it. There's verbiage in place. Okay, there is verbiage. There's verbiage in place. It's just not done well. It's by not. Whom? Whom, whom does the, the verbiage? Uh, that is done by virtually everybody. So any touch point. Assistant, okay. doc, hygienist. Okay. Dwight, jump in. Thank you, Trey. That's that's great. You're jump welcome. in. Question is, relying on software? No. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I know what you're doing right now. So you're giving me a number of your of the of your monthly cadence. <laughs> so I'll what do is the same for he, he was head down. I I knew I of flustering. I'm um, pulling out my numbers. <laughs> right. Well, you should know your numbers. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. No, right. he's asking me specifically how many like Google reviews per month. Yeah, yes. So I want to what I'm trying to do, guys, is break down. We have a lot of knowledge in the room. We have a lot of a lot of locations, a lot of size, a lot of discrepancies among us. What I'm trying to identify is is there there are success leaves clues. And I think there are things that all of us do that help kind of just that we can help decipher and deploy those clues to the rest of our community who are listening to this pod. And so I'm trying to identify habits that we're all doing in the context of this pyramid. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I think that's exactly it. So <clears throat> spe speaking to reviews across those three main locations uh, on average. So I'm looking at data from Q2 this year. That was uh, 66 reviews per month on average per location or just is that all of yours as global yeah yeah just okay so break down your locations for me so meaning how many do you how many do you have when that report went out so three in that quarter i got so out of three months i had a 154 for one location 21 for another and 37 for another okay all right so obviously the size of it depends right so craig what would you like to see from a practice since you're the you have the biggest location you have the biggest single location out of all of us what would you like to see as a goal how many patients how many reviews are you happy with if craig spodak is reflecting back on the month and looking at what spodak did how are, what are you happy with i would like to see at a minimum, uh, one review per day. One per day. How yeah. many patient visits do you think you have coming through your doors Holy on a shit. day? Tons. Um, we have uh, like 60 to 90 patients okay. per day. 
So basically one one out of a hundred, let's just call it, right? But one yeah, sure. percent of the people you expect. 2%, to sure. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm in a little bit of a different situation with Google and what they're doing and all that. So mm -hmm. things are things are strange how the reporting is going for me right now. It's been that way for what advice would you guys give to someone saying like, "Hey, I really want to, I really want to be consistent and be solid in this department"? What would you guys say is a good goal for? And again, I, I know it varies per practice size and things like this, but what do you think is a good goal? Is is five a month enough? A good goal, I think, to start with, and let's assume you're starting with zero and you're trying to implement this, would be every person gets one review. Every team member gets one Every review. Every team member got it. Gets got one it. review and got you it. can build from there. Okay. Okay. Could you bonus from that potentially? You can. Okay. Uh, but that would be if, if I did that, software. it would be on a 90-day window got because it. I'm only focusing on that number at that point in time. Dwight, what would you like to see from your startups? How many startups in a month? How many in a month? At least 10. 10, 10 in a month? Yeah, reviews in a month. <laughs> okay, can, let me. Can I go to where I'm asking questions? I'm using software though. So. Okay, you're relying on software. I think yeah, for, for me, where I told my team that I think we should be at, and 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 it, each location should at least be gathering one per day, right? So in Craig and and so Craig, you kind of picked the same number, even though you're big, but you're super established, right? You've been there three generations. You know your name in the community, blah blah. But you don't, and you have a gazillion reviews already. So maybe maybe it doesn't. It's not as it's not as important for you at the life cycle you're at, right? To have hey, we're gonna get five per day at practice this size. Uh, without without a goal, right? Nothing is ever achieved. It looks like, right? So I'm just I'm trying to form foundational frameworks for people that say, hey, we're at least going to get one day. We're going to have ten patients come through the door today. Let's identify one of them in the morning meeting that we're going to ask for the review because they know Miss Jones will leave a great review. I think it's something important to 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 identify in the beginning of the day potentially, and and also be asking, even though you're relying on software, I think it's important to to mention that from a human accountability standpoint of saying like, hey, Miss Jones, not only do we want people like you, but you're going to get something in, you know, via text or email today. I would really love it if you could share your experience, right? And when there's that level of accountability from the provider, typically the hygienist or the assistant, maybe the doctor, right? Because sometimes doctors don't want to, don't want to get down in that the weeds like that. But there should be some verbiage in place that kind of kind of insulates for that if you are in growth mode. Peter, can I say something just Please. to bring it very, very Please. granular? So one of my big perspectives on this is how many times do we, you know, we get a request from someone on the mastermind and says, you know, my world is ending. I got a bad review. Right. And the reason I bring 10 up is because that is no brand awareness. Nobody knows anything about you. You're just getting started. You're trying to connect with your patients going down that road. And 10 is enough to flush the one crazy patient who got pissed off at your team because you asked him for an statistically it's really. not Dwight. I'm not, I'm not trying to crush your, your, your ratio. No, you're not going to crush it's it. Not. I'm just saying it's 40 to one, that, it's a 40 to one to negate it completely. It's 40 to one ratio. Right? No, I get what you're saying. Okay. What I'm saying is, is the majority of the time that somebody comes on and complains about their bad review that's on there, I because see. you go and you look and they only have five or 10 total. My reviews. apologies. Correct. 
That's what yes. I'm getting at. Yes. I totally agree with you that it takes that much to flush some garbage out. But the most important thing is, is the sanity of the doctor. We mm. live and breathe our practices, especially when it's a startup, especially when you've been told by all your reps that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread and you're going to create this amazing practice. You're just opening. And then you get that first awful review and it paralyzes you. That's what I'm talking about when it comes down to the fact that be consistent to at least hit a goal. And yes, that goal should increase each month Add another five, add another five. And then it's not so daunting to the team who most likely comes mm -hmm. from practices where they've never been asked to do any of this work. And they start to develop an understanding. Okay, start asking for them, start asking for them. You're going to get this, remind them it's coming at them. And then it becomes routine. Do I think, yes, one per day? That's amazing. This should be that way. That's pragmatic for most approaches, but I don't have that with all my offices combined because we're established at this point, but on a new practice, it's enough to flush the fluster of a bad review and saying, let's get things going. But you know, most people don't even pay attention to their reviews until we several years in and they, they freak wait, out. What do, you, wait, what do you mean? Most, what do you mean? Most people don't pay most attention to reviews. doctors that are not coached are not a part of a mastermind are not involved in anything. They just open up shop and just are told that patients are going to walk in the door and they think, oh, okay, well, let's go put some stuff on social media because I've been raised in this generation of social media. That's oh, going to attract everybody to me and I'm not going to build the foundation of my pyramid and I'm not going to pay any attention to my reviews, all these other things. Well, you can blast social media, SEO and paid ads, but they're still going to look at your website. They're still going to look at your reviews. And then when they get in there, if they're actually going to say yes to treatment, it's going to be that patient experience and how the team talks about your care. So it's, it's that summary that we're trying to pull all together to understand the value of what we're talking about, which is focus on developing your experience, but also making sure that they tell others about it because it's the easiest and cheapest way to grow your business. Would you, would you also agree? Like Dwight, that was very well said. And I don't, I want to come, I don't want to comment on that because I have a follow-up to that because I, I agree with everything you just said. Would you agree that if you're not hitting the number that you guys were saying, the 50% or 60% or whatever, that you're going to have to market because you're just not being remarkable. Yes. Right. Okay. So I that's, mean, that was, honestly, that's the nuts of what I, I was trying to get something? to this entire time. It, you yeah. will have to pay more for paid ads at the top of this pyramid for the fact that you are not remarkable enough for the base layer. That is my... Huh overall thought process on everything because not one not one mm. dentist is going to raise their hand and say my patient experience sucks <laughs> so right. let's go proofs in the pudding let's go talk about data and the data is going to show you if your patient experience sucks or not and ego gets in the way of everybody especially a young duck so when you come in and look at at what you have and where to go you know you got to you got to look at it from a from a fly on the wall perspective, and the data will show it. What would you say? What would you say would be an opposition for your team? People saying, "Yeah, that's good and fancy and fluffy for the patient experience, but it takes too much time here at XYZ Dental." Do you think that the patient experience is is clunky and time consuming? Right? Does it always have to be, or does do you think that it can be streamlined in a busy practice? Like, right? You're right. You're more of a uh, you're more stream. You, you, you're, you're like, like Dwight said, 15 chairs running this and that, right? Roller skate dentistry. We all know that. 
Um, how do you deliver the patient experience at that level when you're, when you're blowing and going and changing 114 gloves an hour? I don't think it's any different. Okay. And, and my answer would be the best way to say that is patient experience. It's, I think this is a hugely miss, uh, it, it this is missed by most dentists. Patient experience is not related to your, the amount of time you spend with the patient. That is not mm -hmm. a correlation. Okay. So they sit down and go, well, I spend two mm -hmm. hours with every new patient. Well, great. If they don't like you, they had a fucking terrible time talking to you. So 100%. your patient experience, and for someone like me, I have fully in-network offices that take every PPO into the sun, and we have out-of-network offices that don't take any of them. Uh, well, that's not true. We'll take one of them. And the experience is identical. It is not different. And... It is one of those things I've had a lot of guys that will reach out to me and start talking about multiple practices. And one of the biggest mistakes people make, and, and this is, I think this is, goes back to the ego aspect. It's well, but I'm different. My patients are treated different. I have awesome equipment. I have the best stuff. Mm -hmm. I do X, I do Y and which I love because then I have to sit down and say, but now you're competing with me who has all the same equipment, probably better, mm -hmm. all the same supplies. I spend half the time, and I say that it's a fraction of the time, and I guarantee you my patient experience is better. It's You can't compete with that because your ego's in the way. You have to start looking at all the other things that really matter to people. And it's not how there's, much time you spend to them. So you have to get granular on, on psychology with that. We're also conflating yeah, a lot of business models into one. you know, And I always like to point that out because – we're all have, you know, Trey, your reviews are outstanding, outstanding, like, you know, five star across the board. It is an entirely different experience than Peter's and nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So I, th I think the most important thing is that you hold yourself out to the public to a standard at which you want to operate at. And then there's alignment. So if patients show up at your fancy office with itero scanners and same day crowns and like whoa this this i'm paying they'll be super pissed if they went to like some basic ass dentist i'm paying for all this so i think the problem is brands do a very good job typically of communicating their value to the consumer the bmw consumer is different from the toyota consumer not that one is better you could argue that toyota is a better car the problem comes in is that toyota consumers don't go into bmws and get pissed off they call, they look at a dentist, this guy's got good reviews, but they had a very specific thing. You know how many patients come into my practice upset because we're the first office they've ever been to and they're our age or older, we're the first office that they've ever been to that does a periodontal chart on them? Mm. They come in, they're like, what the hell are you doing? I've been <laughs> going to dentist my whole life. Why are you trying, seven, eight million pounds? This is ridiculous. What are you trying to sell me? Mm. Like, so it's, it, there's a problem in that when you go to a dental office or a medical doctor, by the way, a good medical doctor in my definition doesn't just point out what I have today. They're pointing out what I'm going to have in five years. And in dentistry, we all have different standards to which we want to practice. Some people are drill, fill and patch. Other people are going to have a conversation. Hey, Mrs. Jones, you're 20, you're 28 years old or Hey, Hey Becky, you're 28 years old. You, do you know you've worn off like three millimeters of your incisal edge because you're crowding? And if we move your teeth into a better position with clear aligners or a night guard, we can help save your teeth. That, that person can go to another dental office right down the street and say like, what are they talking about? You're fine. <sighs> so there's a problem in dentistry 
getting our values to the consumer. I think people walk into an Atlanta dental spa with this idea that this is probably could be more expensive. Mm -hmm. I mean, shit, they gave me an electric toothbrush. Look at this place. But I bet I'm going to get better care. And I'm the type of person that wants that. The problem is when someone comes in and they're shocked and they haven't had a periodontal charting and they've never had an iTero scan and then they get a bill for 350 bucks. Like, what the hell is this? Right. And they read a bad review. Right. So we have to talk about that layer as well, if we're being fair. Yeah, fair. And you have to be okay with, the, the, you know, you not being for everybody, right? Which is this hard pill to swallow. And sometimes reviews are based on not because it was a shitty XYZ. It was just, it wasn't a good fit. And therefore, like, they couldn't articulate that. So so the, the only way they could articulate that is by saying, by, by a drive-by shooting, you know, on Google of two stars, right? And so, right. okay, can I ask... I'm going to wrap, let's wrap this, but I, but I've in, in closing, I want to ask this. So the easiest, the easiest patient experience hack, number one, we all agreed the post-operative call. Agreed. Yes. Right. And we've just established that probably the consensus is less than 10% of practices are doing that. Right. The second one I would, I want to give a number two. Okay. And so I'm also looking at the easiest meaning from a time perspective based on the output of how you made that patient feel, right? Because at the end of the day, the patient experience isn't how good of a dentist, they can't judge you on your dentistry. It was how important did you, how, how important did you make them feel? How cared for did you make them feel? How'd you make the, the patient? Would you all agree? That's like the patient experience, right? Okay. Yes. To me so, so Obviously, we could have elaborate like the best and the but the easiest from a time perspective and a human labor perspective. Number two, I would I extract I th I'm going to put it here a, a tip I got from Craig's office, and it happened during COVID, um, and it was so it was such a warm fuzzy. But I think, and it was Craig, it was you guys putting their name on a paper on the chair with a blanket, or I don't know if you had a blanket or whatever. But it was basically yeah. just their appointment card folded up. And it said, this room has been reserved for, and it had the patient's name. Well, it's also a COVID, like, you know, it's carefully of course, of disinfected course. and reserved for you. Yeah. Of course, of course. It was disinfected. It's ready to go. But the most favorite word in, in, in the English language is different for everybody, right? Because our names are different. And so when you see the velvet ropes and reserve for and whatever, it makes you feel special. And that's that takes what? four seconds eight seconds to write someone's name their next patient are you doing up. it on every patient all the time yeah I'm, well I'm, craig i again going back to what trey asked about the audit how do you how do you insulate from that i guess you have to audit from but it, it is part of our culture does it happen every time i don't know and if it's not happening every time could that be a reason for micro micro contraction here this and that and the other right when all of your little accumulating factors are not happening anymore or at, or at consistency, it's not. It wasn't the it wasn't the 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 reserve patient name on the chart. It wasn't the lack of post op call for that patient. It was the accumulation of the hundred things that happened that then aggregated down. Right. So but more importantly, you went back to audit the base of the pyramid, not the top of the pyramid. Yes. Thank you, Dwight. Thank you. Yes. <clears throat> yes. I didn't. I didn't look and say, hey, what magic trick can we do in marketing right now? Right. What, what's, what's a, what's a Yelp hack that I can do. Right. What's a, tell me about this, you know, local service ads 
that I can do or, you know, YouTube or Hulu or whatever. It, it, it wasn't default to let me pay my way out of this. It was shit. I got to get in here and dig in. Right. And sometimes I don't even know what I'm digging in. You know, you just, but you're just digging oh, shit. Okay. So is someone, unless someone else has a better number two and we won't go farther than three, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put you guys on the spot, but give me, give, but I think three is a good number. <laughs> So wait, your number two is my number two was the, was the hack from from Craig, right? And okay. it was it was the I think we've shared this in Summit and whatever, but it was uh, the actual picture of this demonstration. But it was it was basically their next visit card, their appointment reminder card, but it also served the dual purpose of being saying, like Craig said in COVID, that this is reserved for Patty. And Patty, by the way, this room has been disinfected. Oh, and by the way, Patty, your next visit is on the back of this. So it served a multitude of things. And I thought it was just one of the best things I've ever seen come out of Spodak uh, yep, group because exactly. it was it didn't take more time. It made someone feel special and it served a lot of purpose from a utilitarian's perspective. So I'll throw something very similar, which my number two would be <clears throat> in, in principle, it's the exact same thing, but I front load the post-op call. So if you come in and if you, the basic of it is I have a new patient letter that so the pre-op call with the, I also have a pre-op call, but I guarantee you when we put it in place, it never sticks because only hmm. the docs that are really good at it do hmm. it and keep doing it. But we have a new patient letter with a signed personal note from the doc and a, a referral letter thanking any referral hmm. for you know, if, you, if they say, hey, I came in from so-and-so, we send them a letter too that says, thank you so much for your referral of blah, blah, blah. Interesting. I love that, Trey. Easy. You know, I thought you were going to go to the, like the pre-op call and I was like, that would be the next creepy. level of that. That's going to be a little creepy though, I think. And, and it is creepy if you don't do it right. Because you don't know them yet. Because you don't know them. Phenomenal response. But the letter is phenomenal idea, right? Like we did it for, we did it for years. You could have chosen anybody. Here's what you're going to expect. Here's our comfort menu, right? Get ready for a different kind yeah. of experience. Trey, I love that. Honestly, you're reminding like, me, we used to do this too. We used to do it too. And Here's, we used to like every month, so all of our doctors have like a stack of letters who to thank. Thank you, Becky. Joanne was great. Just to thank you. Well, you know what adopted by the way? Letter? This is interesting. Guys that were big in marketing that got the thank you for the referral letter always commented on it. Always made the mm, comment of what yeah. a, a smart thing to do from a marketing perspective. Let me tell you guys something. I can remember the last handwritten letter I got. Sure. But I can't remember the last gift I got from someone that was probably 20, 30, you know, whatever. Right. Tremendous value. Probably, I can't remember the last gift, but I do remember the last handwritten note I got. We used to write handwritten notes to every one of our new patients. Every one of them. And it became daunting where it's like, God, like someone's someone's wrist just wore out every month. Right. And it was like, is this really is this really working? You know, you don't know because sometimes you're operating in a vacuum. But Trey, like the printed out sheet, something coming saying get ready. And it's signed by the provider that they're going to see with kind of an expectation or whatever, I I think that's gold. Gold, gold, gold. Thank here's, you. Here's the next hack to that, which I'll, I'm gonna have two points on that. One, you wanna up the level of it, put two cards with your personal cell phone in there uh -huh. on it, not <laughs> on your card, written. Now it's personal. One for them and one for their friend. The second piece of that, which is just, uh, 
that's a whole new level of that. How many people are going to call you on your cell phone in a decade of me? Well, we think as dentists, we think everyone's going to abuse that at Saturday when you're in golf, when you're golfing. And, and in reality, it's a ratio of about one to every 10,000. You'll have one in 10,000 abuse it. I think here's the overall arching principle that I think everyone is, is running away from. It's as much as, we as a culture are acting like we don't like human contact and we'll prefer the kiosk over everything else. Everyone is starving for human contact. You remember the handwritten letter. People need human interaction. So that personal touch matters. It's and one of the things that one of my biggest problems I have in my practice is so many people want to do call drops and I'm adamantly opposed to a call drop because mm. it actually gets rid of the one thing that you are trying to do is talk to the patient Interesting. and you just got to 0% immediately. So it's touch points. People still crave human interaction. So build it in. There's always a return on it. Always. Yeah. And, and Trey, where I'm going, I'm, literally I'm writing notes down to like literally execute on the things you've said. Um, but so, right. There's a relationship, right? You can't, you can't. So these are great because they're quick and they're easy and they're implementable and right, but some of the things are like either a too costly or too time consuming, and you just can't do them, right? But like these are like these, no one could not do, right? And so I love this, Dwight. You have anything to add for you know, um, for these for the? Yeah, I'm a big fan. I mean, my doctors that skyrocket their production, they're doing the thank you notes directly to their new patients. Mm. The ones who don't and fall off, the ones who you know, you see their production goes down. Right. I walk up to them and I ask them, I was like, Hey, you're not making your phone calls to your patients. You know, you're not, you're not writing your, your notes. All right, well, do you what have another one? Do you have a different one, Dwight? Because Trey covered that completely. He, he, he still, so I, I've got the new, the referral, the thank yous. Yeah, we do not, not only do we write a letter, but we also send them like a Starbucks gift card. So it's okay. a very common thing. And that's something we've done for a long time. And those that works really, really well. Okay. We get a lot of referrals for that. From sending, when do you send a, a, a Starbucks card? When somebody has referred us, it's a thank oh, okay. you. Oh, you send the referral. referrer a gift. Yeah, yeah. The referrer, a thank you, and a Starbucks gift card. Yep. 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 Okay. Um, Craig, I know I spoke for you, but anything else you want to add to this? I, my number two was actually your number two. So I, but. Um, yeah, I think the only thing I'd add um, kind of like off this direct hack is. Um, the number one reason why a patient will make a referral to a healthcare setting, specifically like a hospital, is on the perception of how well your team gets along together. Mm -hmm. So all these hacks, although great, are somewhat muted by the feeling that a patient can get if there's not good culture and chemistry in your office. So I think a lot of people think they can double down in one area and ignore the culture, and I don't think it's possible. So if you have a cohesive team, patients will feel that, and that's a wonderful marketing hack. Not only will it be a better place for you to work every day, but your team will feel better. You'll be able to attract top level talent, and patients will perceive it and refer. Yeah, so brand. you know, but like that's probably I love it because you're right. Like that's an, like a good culture where where team members are respectful and there's good you know authentic energy amongst it is like yeah, of course. But in the presence of not having that, sometimes you'd have to hack your way through is where i'm going sure, i hate sure, the sure. word hack um but but it but people like it because it's a tip when, when before you have x you can do y kind of thing 
right? Like it takes a while to establish that culture to get the right people on the right bu- on the bus sitting in the right seat. It takes a while for that, bud. Yeah. You know, not for sure. And and um, so I love this. I love this. There's there's a you know I have a whole like like Trey back to your point about the checklist. Something that and I won't share it. I'm looking at it right now, but it's it is kind of the 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 checklist manifesto thing and kind of going through all the things from the appointment start to after the patient is left. Like what are the operations we're going to do from that point? Um, you know, I think so, there is no better audit than a checklist. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, that's, that is, that is a gold standard of how, there's, you know, but you get pushback, right? You Huge get pushback from people saying, Hey, we don't have time for this. I don't have enough time built in my schedule. Right. And, and, and it, the irony is, is some of my most proficient providers seem how somehow have the time. Yeah. What, what's your answer to that? You know, I don't really, I don't have it. I don't get that personally to me. Right. So I don't have an answer to it. So I'm getting it. I'm getting it by, well, I was told that we don't, you know, there's not enough time for X, Y, and Z to do all these things. And the, you know, put eye shades and I, all this thing and compliment, I don't have time to compliment the patient and put lip balm on prior to the appointment and all these things. So I, I don't have an answer for you on that Trey, because I'm not directly being the one who's asked. Um, but what that to me is the answer I give when a doctor is complaining about not being as busy as other doctors. Uh-huh. And I ask them, are you doing your list of items and things like that? Because they come out and I say, well, why do you think that, you know, we try and divide new patients as they come in, but if they're specifically asking for another doctor who's being referred from a particular, you know, other patient because of something they did or because they made the phone call or because they have their cell phone number or because they got a referral, thank you or whatever. Like those are the things that allow you to fill up your schedule. Stop expecting, you know, my, you know, the brand and the marketing to fill your schedule when clearly we're getting a ton of new patients, they're just not all coming to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, people honestly, don't want to take a look at, they don't want to look in the mirror though. That's the problem. So people get rewarded in public for what they intensely practice for in private. You look at the exceptional results of any of our doctors and see what they're doing. They're doing things that are different than the ones who are lower level productivity. But when you have those conversations, it's always like, well, they get all the patients, you know, so-and-so at the front desk. I'm like, no, audit those patients. Look at where they're referred from. They're referred from them. These people are going out handing their cards everywhere, but I mean that's that's what happens on any in any group. There's and outliers that do the work. Another quick hack because this actually happened to me today from my daughter's orthodontist. His name's Dr. Chris Brady. He's got an amazing group of practices here in Atlanta, um, and he texts me, "Hey, how how's Amzie? Just checking in. I haven't seen her in a while, and she is overdue, right? So imagine a doctor, right? Not not calling and being like, hey." What'd you decide on crown number 14? But think about all the outstanding treatment that, that has been diagnosed by you or your or your team, right? And it would mean easy as opposed to like a front desk uh personnel who doesn't have a relationship calling me like, hey, we're just, you know, we're just checking in on that number 14 that they have no context on. It was the doc saying, like, hey, Sally, hadn't seen you in a while, just checking in on you, hope all's well. Number 14 is not giving you any problem. You know, that that crown on the upper right's not giving you any problems, is it? Like something like that. Like, can you imagine, can you imagine the matriculation back into that treatment? I don't know. I don't, I just, no, I don't know. I mean, I also, that. Like, look, look at the yeah. videos they do at 12 months, okay. six months, 12 months and 18 months too. Those are important as well. We just reshot them. But, but Craig, to your point about, or Dwight, to you saying like when you, when the provider comes in, he's like, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not busy. 
right? But that's that could be one more thing. Well, have you tried this? Are you doing post-op well, calls? Look at Instagram. Sending a letter. Are you look at look at the Instagram? Look at the doctors that are pushing their own Instagram, building their reputation in, amongst others. I've had conversations like, I think it's unfair that Doctor So and So, you know, does so much Instagram. I'm like, why? Well, my patients are seeing because uh, they're page. requesting him over me. Or yeah, they're requesting over him over me. Well, well, what should I do? Because if she doesn't do it or he doesn't do it, someone down the street will do it. Right. So the problem is, it's it's kind of like socialism a little bit. It's do a you social think meritocracy. That, well, do you think the patients should just be equally divided so that the high performing doctors who are calling their patients, doing outstanding treatment, should you take their patients and be redistributed? What do you believe in? What's the what's the no? I don't think that should be the case at all. Because it should not. No, it absolutely should not. But then it pains the people who are not doing the work and they're not reaping the reward. So this is yeah. It always pains the people that are not doing the work. Always sure. But they're not emotionally intelligent or intellectually honest enough to say I am not doing the work. Right. I am the problem. Not I am the problem. Yeah. They are, and they're mad at them because they're exposing them for not doing the same thing that they're mad at. Right. So like. It, yeah, that's a that's a whole that's a whole thing all the year. Guys, right. we are we are at over an hour, close to an hour and quarter, and I want to wrap. Um that was great. I mean, I think it started it's with tough. kind of world affairs and then you know, remember how I was saying, like, I have fears we're not going granular. Like that was awesome. We went granular. Like I have three things that I'm going to kind of like just add to the checklist or the culture or the processes. And I just want to thank you guys because I learned from you guys no different than people listening to you guys learn from you. Agreed. I learned from Agreed. you. So I thank you for being here and um, and and us kind of sharing together because because dentistry, as we all know, it's a tough place to be. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an isolation box, right? You don't know what's working, you don't know who's doing this or what's doing this. So to have you guys saying, like, hey, 60% is a good thing for internal referrals. I didn't know. I don't know what a good North Star would be on that. So just really super grateful for all, all of you guys. So thank you. Likewise. Yeah, thank you. Well all. done. This is good stuff. Good to yeah. see everybody. All right, everybody. We'll see you on the next bulletproof. Over right now.